0: The Richard Petty driving experience was not what I expected. Uh, I had a coworker who was talking with some, uh, with some of us. And he said, you know, I really want to really go and I want to do the Richard Petty driving experience. Now, for those of you who don't know anything about that, let me explain. It's basically where you pay a lot of money and they let you borrow a NASCAR helmet, a real NASCAR helmet, a real NASCAR fire suit. They let you drive a real NASCAR car on a real NASCAR track. Now, I am not a NASCAR fan. I know there's a whole subculture if you're involved in that. I understand there are devotees. I get it. I'm not one of those people. But I do love driving fast. And so I heard him talking about this, and I'm like, hey, I want to do that too. Can we do it? So we both signed up, and we went. And I have to admit that my perception going into it, I kind of in my mind envisioned it would be like driving a go-kart, only faster. That's kind of what I thought it was going to be. As it turns out, it wasn't what I expected at all. But along the way, as I went through that experience, I learned some really important lessons about the path of the godly. Now, when I say the path of the godly, what I'm talking about is that when a person comes into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, they they kind of have in their mind, they envision this path of what it means to be a godly person. And so we try as best as we can to, to walk down that path. And, and so I learned a lot through this experience about the path of the godly. And one of the things that I realized is that I didn't really have a good understanding of the path of the godly. You know, I'd been a believer for, for many years at that point, but there were some aspects of the path of the godly that I didn't really truly understand. The reality was, in my mind, the, uh, my perspective of what the path of the godly was had become distorted by little pieces of bad information that had been introduced into to my psyche. And, and it wasn't just that, but it was also the path of the godly had become a little bit, um, uh, oh, what's the word? A little bit warped, thanks. I practiced that this morning, and I forgot. A little bit warped. It had become a little bit warped because um, my selfish motivations had kind of snuck in a little bit. And and to top it off, it had become a little bit garbled because there were some people running around that were Christians that were kind of giving me a bad example. And so in my mind, I had this perspective of what it meant to walk on the godly path, but it was a little bit off. And what I want to propose to you this morning is you might be in a similar spot, even here this morning. You may have been a believer for a short time, maybe a couple years. You may have been a believer for many years, but over the time, your understanding of what the path of the godly is supposed to be, it might have gotten a little bit off track. Maybe the bad example of people around you, or just a little bit of misinformation that gets gets stuck in your brain and it just kind of sometimes gets us off track. So, what I want to do this morning is I want us to look at and answer what is the path of the godly really like? And to answer that, we're going to go to Psalm chapter one. So, if you have your Bibles, I'd invite you to go ahead and turn to Psalm chapter one. And in the psalm, what's going on is the the psalmist is going to talk about the option that is available to every human being, the option to choose whether to walk in the path of the godly or to walk in the way of the wicked. And that's what we're going to see in Psalm chapter 1. And I'm going to use this for us to talk about, get a clearer image of what is the path of the godly. Now, I'm going to be reading as we go, and I'm going to be using the New Living Translation. But even if you're using a different translation, you'll be able to follow along because they're all pretty similar. And the first thing that we're going to see is that the path of the godly is joyful. Look with me at verse 1. Oh, the joys of those... Oh, the joys of those. Now, some translations uh, translate that blessed, and some say happy. And the idea is this is actually uh, an interjection. It's at the beginning of the psalm, and and if we were translating it, it, in a more of a less of a formal sense, we'd probably put an exclamation mark because that's really the idea here. It's like, oh, the joys. Oh, how blessed. Oh, how happy is the person who... And the whole reason behind doing that is because what the expectation is, is that the reader will see that and they're like, well, this dude's happy. This dude's blessed. This dude is, he's joyful. I want that for my life. So what do I need to do so that I can get that? So that's, the, that's the, what the, the author of the psalm is trying to do. It says, oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice now, the advice could be advice, could be formal ed- counseling, or could be the formal uh, or the informal sense of somebody just giving helpful suggestions. This person who's walking on the path of the godly is joyful because they do not follow the advice of the wicked. Now, this is not a person who, mostly a good person, that every once in a while does something wicked, The wicked is someone whose life is such that every single, not every single, that they do wicked things so often that people look at them and say, that person is wicked. Now, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, but if I'm making a big decision, I'm not going to go to a wicked person to ask them what they think I should do, right? Because what's going to happen? He's going to tell me to do something that's wicked, then I'm going to do it, and then it's going to cause harm. So what this psalmist is saying here, he says, oh, the joy of the person who does not take counsel from the wicked, keeps going on, or stand around with. Now, technically, this has to do with standing in a position, being standing upright, but it also has that flavor of not only standing there, but kind of in agreement with what's going on. And so it's saying those who stand around with sinners, not somebody who one-off sins or sins every once in a while, but someone who sins so consistently that their life is marked by that. Oh, the joy of the person who does not walk, I'm sorry, who does not stand with sinners. Over the past year, we've had, in several of of the larger cities in our country, there have been these riots. And I was just thinking through this, and like, this is what this is like, is even if I went to one of those riots, and I was just standing there, I may not be participating in damaging property, I may not be lighting cars on fires, I may not be throwing rocks at at police officers, but if I'm just standing there, in a sense I'm kind of supporting what's going on, but in a sense I'm also putting myself in harm's way. Somebody's gonna throw a rock sometime, that's probably gonna hit me, okay? And so the idea is, is that this person is joyful because they don't stand around with sinners go on to the end of the worth or the end of the verse, and they don't join in with mockers. they don't join in, they don't enter into a place where mockers are at. And I had a, a picture for this. let's say you're at a wedding reception or, or some kind of social gathering, and you're around a table, you don't pick the people you're sitting with, you're just sitting with them, and one of the other people at the table they start mocking the people around them. Like, hey, that guy sitting at that table over there, I'm better looking than him. I got more money than him. I'm, I'm more popular than him. And you know what, if we got in a fist fight, I'd probably win. Now, if I'm sitting at that table, I'm starting to think, wow, I don't really want to be at this table anymore, right? Because this guy, is, he's loud, he's obnoxious, and there's probably bad stuff coming. And that's the sense. Of what the psalmist is trying to say here. Oh, the joys of the person who do not put themselves in harm's way. Oh, the joys of the person who does not put themselves in harm's way. The path of the godly is joyful. When we were, when we first started on this. Um, <clears throat> when we went to the uh, Richard Petty driving experience, and um, we were, uh, they were sitting down and kind of instructing us how to how to do the, the Richard Petty driving experience. They told us a little bit of what to expect and all. And um, and just so you know, this is a drive. This is not a drive along. Drive along is where you like sit in the passenger seat and then they somebody else drives, like a professional driver drives. That's not what this is. This is where you're in the car, you drive. There's nobody else with you. And so me and my buddy, we were like super excited about this because we're going to be able to drive this car as fast as we wanted. So we're sitting in the, in the training and they're talking to us about what's going to happen. And the guy stands up and he says, just so you know, you're going to be following a pace car. I thought, what? My heart dropped. Bloop. I was like, what? I got to follow a pace car? The whole point of this is to drive as fast as I could possibly drive. Why would I want to follow a pace car? And we were all, all of us, were like getting upset about it. We were like, ah. And then he said, stop, chill, hold on a second, let me explain. The idea behind the pace car is not to regulate your speed. If you go fast, the pace car will get out of your way. The idea behind the pace car is the pace car shows you where you're supposed to go on the track. You see these little turns coming up? And if you enter the turn at the wrong spot, you're going to end up in a bad place. So the idea is you follow the pace car and you'll actually go faster. So then we're like, okay, relieved. Essentially, that's what the psalmist is talking about here. Blessed is the man who walks in the path of the godly. That person is joyful. Why are they joyful? Because they're not putting themselves in harm's way. They're following after the pace car that God has said this is how you should live, and they're not putting themselves in harm's way, and they're making their life more enjoyable. Let me pose a question to you this morning. This is one of those self-diagnostic questions. As you look at your own life, as you look at the way that you are walking, is your path joyful? Joyful? Is your path joyful? Are you in a car, driving, following God's pace car, going the way that pretty much he's telling you to go, and is there a sense of joy that's coming into your life? Or are you like most of us, where you're sometimes following the pace car, sometimes doing your own thing, sometimes getting back onto the pace car, and you're zigzagging back and forth down the track? And the reality is, is that if we're doing the zigzag, Our life, for the most part, is not going to be joyful. The path of the godly is joyful. Not only is the path of the godly joyful, the path of the godly is delightful. Look with me at verse 2. It says, But they, speaking of those who are on the godly path, but they delight in. They have joy they have happiness. They have take pleasure in the law of the Lord, which is an image of the scriptures. At their time, they had the five books. We have now the whole Bible. But they delight in the law of the Lord, and they meditate on it day and night. Those who walk in the path of the godly, they delight in God's Word. They delight in their copy of the Bible, and they meditate on it. It's interesting, during the Richard Petty driving experience, there was this time where they would do these little infomercials, little commercials, and say, you know what, if you're having so much fun, you need to sign up for the advanced driving experience. And so they would explain what it is. Here's the advanced driving experience. The advanced driving experience is where you drive for a couple of laps, take a break, you sit down with, a, with an instructor, he gives you more instructions, and then you go back out and you drive again. Now, before I drove, I was like, that's terrible. Well, who would want to do that? All I want to do is get me on the track, I want to drive. But something happened. After I drove... That sounded really attractive to me. And the reason it did was because the instructions that they gave us about how to drive, it, it, actually, it actually worked. I, I was actually able to go quite fast. I could see instructions worked. And I, by the end, I was like, that would be really cool. Like, I would be okay with taking more instruction because the instructions helped. And that's what the psalmist is saying here. Those who are on the path of the godly, they're to the place in their life where they delight in God's instruction. They delight in God's instruction because God's instruction, they've figured out, actually makes life go the way that it needs to go. The path of the godly delights in the Bible. Let me ask you a question. Self-check here. Do you delight in the Bible? Oh, yeah, yeah, we're in church. Yeah, I've in the Bible. Yeah, it's a great book. Ask yourself, come on, be, be real with yourself. Do you really delight to study God's word? Or are you kind of to the place in your life where you're like, Yeah, I know if I'm really stuck on something, if I've got a big decision coming up and I'm not sure what to do, I'll crack open my Bible and I'll try to see if I can find some idea. But for the most part, when things are going okay, I got this handled. I pretty much know what the right thing is to do. The path of the godly delights in God's instruction. Because they understand that God's instructions are there to make everything go smoother. That's the point of it. So when you're looking at that and you're asking yourself, do I really delight in God's word? So uh, the path of the godly is um, joyful. The path of the godly is delightful, delightful in God's word. And the third thing we're going to see is the path of the godly is prosperous. Look with me at verse three. they referring to those who are on the path of the godly, they are like trees planted along the riverbank. Now here in Texas, that kind of a, that illustration doesn't make a lot of sense to us because there's trees everywhere, okay? We see them everywhere. But in the arid regions of Palestine, when the, original author, when the original readers read this, they understood the illusion. Because if, I'm, if I've got a, a tree, and I'm going to go plant it, and I go plant it out in the middle of the field, chances are pretty good it's not going to make it. And even if it does survive, it's not going to be healthy because they don't get enough rain. But if I want the tree to really do well, what I do is I plant it near a stream, plant it near a canal. I plant it near a source of water. And when I do that, then I know that tree is going to produce. It's going to be vibrant. So when they're saying planted by the river, think of what they would have originally heard because that's the point he's trying to make. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Now, when you see this, you have to understand the idea behind this is it's, that there's a cadence to it. The tree is planted by the river, it grows, and then it produces fruit in season. Unfortunately, in our modern time, this verse and verses like it have been taught by people who try to, under, who try to communicate that God is all about making you prosperous in the sense of, you give the church $10, God will give you $5 million, okay? That's not what this passage is talking about. What this passage is talking about is that the ones, the people who are on the path of the godly, they are like a tree that is planted by a river. It doesn't produce fruit all year long. It doesn't have this exorbitant amount of fruit. It produces fruit in its season. Maybe a better way to think about this, is they are industrious. They are, their, their efforts are profitable. Verse goes on to say, their leaves never wither. Think of the tree out in the middle of the, the, middle of the field. That's probably not going to have leaves a lot of the year. But the trees by the water, they have leaves year round. And they prosper in all that they do. Those who are on the godly path, they prosper in all that they do. The emphasis is upon what the person does. They prosper. Their efforts prosper. Why are they prospering? They're prospering because they're doing things the way that God has told them how they should be done. The way of the godly is prosperous. When we were... In this um, experience, I went 136.8 miles per hour. Like I don't know if that's bad. I thought it was good. Like 138, 136 miles per hour is a pretty good, I thought that was pretty fast. I beat the guy that I went with. We went fast. I went faster. So that that was my bragging rights. I look back at that situation and I say, wow, I had a prosperous time in the Richard Petty driving experience. It was a prosperous thing for me. And the reason it was prosperous was because I followed the instructions. Now, my time was not prosperous because the instructors saw that I was following the directions and they pushed the turbo boost on my car so I would go faster. The mechanics didn't take my car in and tinker with the engine and make it go faster, no. I prospered because I followed the instructions. I pose a question to you. On the path that you're on right now, is your life prosperous? Not asking if you're rich. Not asking if you have a BMW in the driveway. I'm saying, is your life prosperous? prosperous? Is there a season where you're doing things the way that God tells you that you should do them? You're doing them, and you're seeing fruit. You're seeing that because I'm living the way God wants me to live, that is producing fruit. Or are you like many of us? Sometimes you're doing it God's way. Sometimes you're doing it your own way. The challenge for us is this, is that if you're doing that zigzag, your life is not going to feel prosperous. So is your life prosperous? So we've seen the path of the godly is joyful, the path of the godly is delightful, and the path of the godly is prosperous. But what about the wicked? Let's pick up the story in verse 4. Verse 4 says this, but not the wicked they're like worthless chaff. Now, again, this is an agricultural illustration that some people know, some people don't. So, if you and I were if we were farmers and we were harvesting grain, we'd put our grain in a big pile and then we'd take a one of our implements and we would throw the grain up into the air. And the grain, the seed, the part that you wanted to keep, was heavier. And it would fall straight down. But the chaff, the shell on the outside of the grain that was worthless, would blow away from the wind. And it would se- you, that's how you would separate what was valuable from what was invaluable. That's a powerful statement that the psalmist is making. He says, the wicked, they are like the stuff the wind blows away. They're trivial their efforts have no value they have no weight to them verse 4 but not the wicked they're like worthless chaff scattered by the wind they will be condemned at the time of judgment what the way that their life has the way that their life has brought together will result in judgment their life is not going to be, have a lasting value. Contrasted with the, the way of the godly, but the way of the wicked, their life is going to, at the end, amount to triviality, and it's not going to last. So what is the path of the godly really like? The path of the godly is joyful, the path of the godly is delightful. It delights in God's word. And the path of the godly is prosperous. Not prosperous like has a bunch of money, but it's fruitful. Things are working. And along the way, I've kind of asked you a question, some self-diagnostic questions like, is, as you look at your life, you know, nobody else can see this. This is something that only you can see. Is your life joyful? Is your life joyful? Delighting in God's word. Is your life prosperous in those ways? One of the disadvantages behind the Richard Petty driving experience was that it was only a couple hours long. You know, we're leaving there and we're thinking, man, I wish that was longer, right? One of the values to that was to be able to see these life lessons from beginning to the middle to the end. See, I was able to see that by following the instructions, doing things the way that I was supposed to do them, it actually had a, a positive result, and it made sense because it was in a short time period. But you and I, we don't, we don't, we don't have that luxury. Our lives are 60, 70, 80 years long, and so we, we kind of have this path where, we're, where some days we're doing good, but some days we're not doing so good. But we've never made it to the end of the, we've never made it to the end, so we don't know yet what you know, what the result's going to be. But I hope by giving you a chance to relive the Richard Petty driving experience with me, you're able to see that as a believer, if we have committed our life to Jesus Christ, we've got to understand that, that living and walking on the path of the godly is really the best way to live. And, and those times when we, we get off track a little bit, those are probably harder on us than we really realize. Those times when we, when we say, yeah, it's a sin, I know it's something I shouldn't do, but it's not that big of a deal. Hopefully, I want you to begin to see that no, that might actually be a bigger deal than you realize. So my challenge for each of you this morning is I want to challenge you to say, This week, I am choosing a closer walk. And what I mean by that is this, is that over the next week, there will be times where you will be in a situation where you'll be tempted to do something that you know is wrong. Might be a little thing, might be a big thing, whatever it is. And instead of saying, this is not a big deal, I'm just going to do it, I'm going to challenge you to stop and say out loud, which is weird, you know, people might hear you. It's okay, people talk to themselves all the time. It's not a big deal. Stop and say out loud, I'm choosing a closer walk. Now, I know for some of you, the next week might be two or three times in your life, just because of your life stage. You have maybe two or three times in your life where you might actually be tempted to do something wrong. But even in just those two times, here's what I am challenging you to do, stop, and say, no, I'm choosing a closer walk. Now, for others of you, I understand that it might be one or two times every waking hour. That's okay. Stop and say, I'm choosing a closer walk. Now, this is, this is going to be a little bit weird, so I'm just going to ask you to say it out loud with me. Okay. I want you to, we're going to say this together, I'm choosing a closer walk. We're going to all say this together. Ready? Okay. One, two, three. I'm choosing a closer walk. I'm saying every time that you're in a situation over this next week where you're tempted to do something that you know is wrong. And the reality is for most of us, that's probably pretty frequent. We don't want to talk about that, but that's reality. It's easy to not sin when we're here on Sunday morning because there's all these fun people around. But when we're by ourselves or when we're at work, when everybody else is doing whatever they want to do, it's easy for us to fall into those things and it's easy for us to get off track. Stop and say out loud, I'm choosing a closer walk. Okay, I'm going to push you a little bit harder. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to raise your hand. Just a second, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Say, you know what? I'm going to try to do that, 1st I'm going to try to do that this week. It probably won't be perfect, but I'm going to try in those situations where I am tempted to do something that I know is wrong, I'm going to try to remember to say out loud, I'm choosing the closer walk. Just raise your hand and like, I'm willing to say that. I'm going to try that this week. Okay, good. All right, good, good. Let me pray for you guys, and then we'll pray for me, and we'll be ready to go. Dear Heavenly Father, we do just thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the way that you have um, brought that together for us. And so many times we're tempted to believe that those things are, the things that you've written in your word, are those things that are there to curb our styles. So many times we're tempted to believe that those things that we want to do are things that are really, really actually better for us somehow when in actuality, Lord, you see the whole picture and you know that those things have no place in our life and they have no value whatsoever. And so I pray, Lord, that you would give each of us the courage this week, every single time, we are tempted to stop and to say out loud, I'm choosing a closer walk. Amen.